You know, a book is almost the medium. What we really want is like a serve and volley. If your child talks to you, even if it's just a babble or a glance or something, as a parent, you really need to engage back. Choose to be Curious is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Wharton. Welcome. You know the song from The Sound of Music? These are a few of my favorite things. Walks and books would have to be on my list. So when I stumbled on a combination of the two recently, I was very excited. That happy convergence came along the shady four-mile run trail just off Columbia Pike. Several Arlington nonprofits had joined forces to create a story walk, a program that places actual pages of a children's book along a walking route to help promote children's literacy, physical activity, and quality outdoor time. And just to make the whole thing even more perfect, the featured book was Wonder Walkers by Misha Archer. Now, I mean, (laughs) I had read about the story walk, Kindness of the Columbia Pike Partnership newsletter, but stumbled on it unexpectedly and to my great delight nonetheless. For about half a mile, I walked and read and looked and wondered and had a ball with that charming picture book and its tantalizing encouragement to savor the world around me. All of that eventually led me to read, Read Early and Daily, one of the sponsoring organizations and an Arlington-based nonprofit that seeks to empower families to foster empathy curiosity, and self-confidence in the young children through the joy of reading together every day. I knew I had found my people. And then I read about their mirror and window book strategy, an idea that originated with Rudeen Sims Bishop around 1990 that prioritizes selecting books that allow children the opportunity to see themselves, to see similarities, and to see differences. I was hooked. Jennifer Sauter Price may be known to some young Arlingtonians as Pajama Mama for her signature PJ-clad reading romps and a purple bus full (laughs) of books. She's both founder and executive director of Read, a role she came to by way of the reading connection and her volunteerism in Arlington Public Schools. I loved being read to as a child. I loved reading to my own kids and other kids, anyone, really. And I really love the idea that someone is devoting their time and talent to making those experiences available to more and more kids. I'm delighted to have Jennifer Sauter-Price join me today. So welcome, Jennifer. What a great introduction. You really have done some homework. I'm so <laughs> impressed. And I am, let me start off and say how much I appreciate you recognizing Rudine Sims Bishop. You know, for so long she was overlooked in her work and she is finally being lifted up for creating mirror and windows, this imagery for us all to really understand diverse and inclusive books and how important they are to children. So thank you. Well, and I'm really excited to talk to you about that because I 
that to me had several really interesting hooks and implications. Mm -hmm. And I definitely want to dig into that. But before we get there, I just want to back up a little bit and give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about Reed. You had me when I saw curiosity in your vision statement. So tell me what that looks like in the organization and kind of what was your inspiration and kind of origin story? Well, my origin story is I'm a clinical social worker by training, and I have a master's in child development and family studies. I always knew I was going to work with children, Mm -hmm. just knew it, and have a nonprofit background too. But then I became a mom. I married a military man who took me far away from home. So books really became my bonding with my first daughter and then my second daughter also. That is what we did together. And through that, I, I, I just can't explain it. I actually, I was very lucky for a baby book. I mean, baby gift. Somebody gave me the book, The Read Aloud Handbook by Jim Trelease. Oh, I know it well. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, so absolutely. I got it. And even though I have that background I just gave you, it wasn't until I got that book, I was like, okay. And it was almost sort of like my first daughter was going to be sort of an experiment. I was like, <laughs> let me see if, the, if he's, what he's saying is really right. And it really is. It is amazing. You know, I think we have this, uh, well, and actually I know we do because Zero to Three just did a national study and across the board, regardless of income, where you lived, education, families don't realize, new parents don't realize that you can start talking, reading to babies right away. Yeah. Give us some of those kind of facts and stats because, you know, this is also, although it's mostly conversations about curiosity, I definitely like the research and theory because this is not just something that like feels good, right? Right. Yes. There is research. And so that research is showing, we just assume children are not going to be engaged in books or really listening till they start babbling, sitting up, almost talking back. There's sort of 18 months was, if I recall from that study, the time when you need to really establish a reading routine. But what the brain research says, it should be so much earlier. In fact, Reed does a lot of book fairs, which is my favorite thing to do. That's when I'm pajama mama talking to the kids. And I always talk to them about babies' brains and how little we know. And we start off like when you're born, and I know this is a podcast and you can't see it, but you make a fist that's about the size of your brain when you're born. And then you sort of make a circle with your two hands and the fingers touching one another. And I'm, I always say this is the size about your brain when you're three. And then I, I ask him, how big do you think it is when you're an adult? And you know, they inevitably like this huge. <laughs> and I'm like, well, let's think about that. Does that fit inside your skull? And they're like, no, no. And so then I just gently, I mean, slowly pull my fingers apart. And there's just a small gap because by age three, 85% of your brain is developed. And what's going on in those first three years, you know, we know about the neurons and they're all tangled. And so we want these synapses connecting. The kids love that connecting, you know, almost like I always say, it's almost like they're on fire. You want these candles to light each other. And we do that through talking and singing and reading books. But what the brain research has shown is if we're not doing that by age three, we're going to start losing Uh some of those synapses. And then you can't get it back. And so that is why 
I started read was based on that information alone because in the sooner you know as in everything if we start sooner with children it, it long-term payoffs are huge rather than going back and trying to fix problems I do think that there's a lot to be said about establishing this as a habit and a routine that it becomes part of like who you are and what you do Right. And certainly the research around habit formation supports mm -hmm. that as well. Right. And a sense of oneself that this is, I am a reader that has to, that has to really matter. So, so you sell books, but you sell books so that you can give books away. Right? Exactly. When the reading connection closed after wandering around in my pajamas and eating a lot of ice cream and crying, I decided I was going to launch my own. And I knew I wanted to focus in those early years. But I also knew with a nonprofit background, nobody really wants to give you money until you have something established. And true story, I'd just come home from my upteenth Stella and Dot party, which I love Stella and Dot. I love the jewelry. But I was like, could I like host book parties? You know, that was sort of in my head. Would people come to a book party? Would moms, like a Tupperware party, but with books and buy books? And that's how we started. I, you know, made sure it was okay with the state and everything that we could sell books. And then all of that revenue would generate program funding. And that's how we started. And then we've just sort of have taken off. And then we applied and we got the book bus, which is essentially a children's bookstore on wheels. And um, and then we do book fairs too throughout Arlington. In fact, I have seven, possibly eight book fairs for in the fall. So we're really getting out there. Oh, that's great. That's yes. Great. And so the other thing too, though, is I want people to realize that within the bookstore component, you know, we're giving to the babies and everything, but we work with the different partners where I take the book bus and kids can come on and shop for free or with a gift cards. So we, we just really want to make sure all children have access to books. And we do that at book fairs too. Um, I want to make sure no child leaves the book fair without a book if they really want one. Yeah. I did do my homework on your website. I'm a reader okay. after all. That's, so that's I read great. your website yeah. and I read everything else I could get my hands on. And mm -hmm. I was actually really interested in your five commitments. Mm -hmm. um, you're committed to family choice and people being kind of engaged in choosing their own books. That seems particularly important these days. Yes. Yes. You're committed to offering culturally relevant and diverse books. And I actually want you to explain that a little bit more. Okay. Um, you're committed to offering bilingual and or Spanish books. My kids came up through the Arlington Immersion Program. So oh, that's yay great. That. Yes, yes. We had yes. a lot of books in Spanish, which I could not read, but my kids could read and they would read to me with those books. I love that. Was, yeah. See, oh, that's fabulous. It yes. It was mm -hmm. great. And you're committed to helping families go beyond reading the book and then educating families about the importance of reading. But it was that fourth one about going beyond the book that, you know, with my curiosity radar on, that means, as you say, engaging the kid in mm -hmm. thoughtful conversation and exploration about what's happening there and sort of broadening the their world. Talk to me about sort of how that plays out. Of course. So every book comes with tips oh, based nice. on the book you've just read and they're translated also. And so it's just 
again, because what you were talking about, the engagement is so important. You know, a book is almost the medium. What we really want what, and what the industry calls it is like a serve and volley. If your child talks to you, like even if it's just a babble or a glance or something, as a parent, you really need to engage back and try to, you know, get that commitment going and connection going. And that's why I love books, because it makes it so easy. Then once you're done with that book, let's say it's a counting book, you can go to the pantry or to the cupboard and pull out some cups and count the cups. You can be out on a walk. Uh, let's count the rocks. How many trees do we see? So it's just, again, giving some, just some ideas. Because, you know, when you're a new parent, you're exhausted. You're overwhelmed. <laughs> and just being able for somebody to give you that nudge. Yeah. And then it, it's just a lot of practice. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do there. And then, too, you know, something that we're hoping to start incorporating this year is actually starting to send text. And we want to, we thought about using, you know, there are a lot of texting programs out there, but we sort of want to make it more personalized, like, you know, sending something right away, like if it's raining outside or a cloudy day, go out and count the clouds. You know, first of all, be engaged, let the families know we're thinking about them and their children and come up with different ways to continue that conversation. I love this idea, this sort of, it's almost a kind of a reciprocity, right? That the book mm -hmm. encourages something and the something encourages the book. Yes. So as you were talking about clouds, I'm thinking, oh, well, text them and say, go find your favorite book that has clouds in it or your favorite yes. picture yes. of clouds. Yes. Yes. You do what those of us who are devoted readers do, which is mm -hmm. we turn to books because other things remind us of how something is articulated, expressed, presented within the book. Right. That's lovely. Right. So that's right. a great that's a great segue, it seems to me, then to this windows and mirrors. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of what your strategy seems to be is finding ways for children and their parents to see themselves, see the world in the book, see the book in the world. But the windows and mirrors is more targeted than that. Talk more about that because I think this is actually a really important strategy. It is. And, you know, not only do we do it with our programming where we're getting the books to the families who may not have them in their home, you know, we do it throughout the book fairs also. It's on the book bus too because we really believe in it so strongly. I've known about mirrors and windows for a long time, but we're really connected for me where I was like, Oh my goodness. Jason Reynolds is my favorite author. I do not know if you know him or not, but he writes for young people and youth, young adults. And I was able to hear him speak in 2017, just right before he sort of took off. And he shared that he never finished a book until he got to college. Wow. And I was like, what? And essentially, the only reason he started finishing books is the English teacher knew he had something and said, if you don't read these books, I'm going to have to fail you. Wow. And I don't want that. I don't want to do that. The way he explained it, he goes, I never saw myself in books. You know, why would I want to read when I didn't see myself? And the, the way he became a writer, and he shared this, was because of Queen Latifah. 
and he would read the liner notes back when there were CDs. And that's how he became a poet first and then became a writer. So in there, it clicked. And I thought to myself, I said, how many Jason Reynolds are there in our community, in our country, in the world that we're failing mm-hmm. because we're not giving them what they need in books. And so it just, that just, that right there, I was like, that is what I'm going to do. When I started this in 2017, uh, Mirror and Windows throughout the publishing was just beginning to take off. You know, it was really difficult to find books sometimes. And yeah. the one example was it was really hard to find books with hijabs. Mm. And I finally found one. And I this is when I was still doing distribution in person. And I was at the Even Start program, which is a fabulous program, little known secret here in Arlington. And I put out the hijab book. It was Mommy's Kamar was the book. And one of the moms saw it. And she was like, and she called her other friends. You know, all the moms are wearing hijabs. And they all had tears, you know, and they hugged me. Yeah. And to this day, when I run into some of them, they still, they just squeeze. It's like they knew I saw them, you know, or they maybe not me, but they felt seen. Yeah. And so that's what we want. And the research shows families are more likely to read books when they see themselves reflected. Now, on the same side, though, I think it's really important that we have those window opportunities, too. And so we try to do different celebrations like, you know, Ramadan, Hanukkah. And so some of our families who may not celebrate that are really appreciating those books, too, because it's opening up their little ones to, you know, neighbors. It feels like it's a strategy to leverage and or contribute to curiosity. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. In affirmation. So, yes. Um, yes. you know, and I was actually writing last night in my newsletter. I always have questions, but sometimes it's not always appropriate to ask some of my questions. You know, it, it's <laughs> just to put that responsibility on someone else. It's mm-hmm. more up to me to figure it out. And so books are a great way to do that. And we often talk about that at Read. It's a great way to open up, you know, to be curious, to open up those conversations, to to build empathy and affirmation at right. the same time. Well, I would, of course, describe that as a curiosity practice, you know, mm-hmm. things that we can do that build the curiosity muscle. And so yes. learning to turn to books is a, is a great curiosity practice. Do you have, do you have other practices, habits, ways of being that you think of as curiosity practices, either yourself or that you kind of encourage families or kids to use? I, well, I think we're, when working with families, I think the most important thing, and we, we, we put this, not only do we do tips, we do like a little brain fact at the same time. Oh, Cause nice. I really believe if parents knew what was really going on in the first three years, they would be more on top of it. I think it's just that information is not there. And one of them is that we often go over and over again is watch your child for leads. Yeah. You know, because children, babies are naturally curious. That is how they grow and develop. 
Curiosity is what leads to creativity, what leads to critical thinking. And it starts from the moment they're born, you know, looking at things. And so even in that first month, if your child is gazing at something for a while, talk to them, you know, and then that's going to expand them to even ask more or look at something else. One of my favorite stories when I was thinking about this conversation is I felt so lucky because uh, sometimes I felt like I was always out of the room with something big happened with my firstborn, <laughs> but um, she was in one of those bouncy seats and it was one of those ones where you could kick and would light up. Oh, ooh. I remember she kicked it and a little, I mean, just barely, but there's like a little light and she went... She just looked. She's like, what was that? And it just sort of, you could almost see inside her brain, you know, well, what if I did that again? You know, so there's just so many opportunities in the uh uh-oh game, you know, (laughs) okay, what would happen if I threw this off? Oh, look, my grown-up is leaning over to pick it up. Will that happen again? So, I mean, curiosity, that is just something you're born with. I mean, yeah. and that's what you need to really thrive. And so as grownups, just making sure that we're there to nurture that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And and sort of understanding it as investigation, as curiosity. Not yes. like he's not being difficult because he's throwing the peas on the floor again. <laughs> you know? I mean, maybe he is right. being difficult. But right. Right. But, and he's also putting cause and effect together. He's also sort of experienced like what if and how might and what happens mm-hmm. when. And mm-hmm. that's how I knew I had two little scientists on my hands. Yes. <laughs> well, is it? And that's what they are. They yeah. are scientists. They are. And just, yeah, I'm just, I love the first, as you can probably do, the first three years are just my favorite. Everything that is going on inside is just so exciting. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and the beauty of books too, or just, you know, paying attention to what a child is paying attention to, and then beginning to give them words to associate with those things. Mm-hmm. You know, so their brains can organize these, these firing synapses into coherent ideas and then kind of pursue them. I love, I love that. I love right. that. So speaking of words, Mm-hmm. Before I let you go, I want to invite you to join me in my big jar of wannabe analogies. Are you game for this? Yes. No, I'm I'm excited. Okay. I'm nervous. <laughs> so I have a literal big jar here um, with slips of paper. I'm going to take out three and we're going to make an analogy to whatever is written on these pieces of paper. I have one for you, one for me, and one for our audience. So yours is poetry. How is curiosity like poetry? Mine is hopscotch. And then I have one for the audience. So do you want to go first or you want me to go? Oh, well, I'll go first. I'm, I'll just start by saying I'm so glad I don't have hopscotch. <laughs> <laughs> These are totally random. I just never I know what's going to come. <laughs> so, but I love, well, poetry um, is based on curiosity. Don't you think? Oh, oh. You know, because it's all about, oh, is that word going to fit with that word? Mm. Does that, do I, do I end it, you know, all as one line? Do I break it up? Do, especially all the things that are coming out, you know, where you have maybe one word on a page or, you know, like where it really develops an, an image. Uh Uh I think, yeah, I think that is. Oh, that's lovely. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. All right. So, 
hopscotch. How <laughs> is curiosity like hopscotch? Um, you know, I used to play a lot of hopscotch when I was a kid in the street. And I guess to me, curiosity is like hopscotch because you're sort of hopping, you're jumping from one thing to another. And sometimes you have to like jump over and so, and it, it will put you off balance. Um, but the, the magic of hopscotch is to kind of keep your momentum. And I think curiosity is maybe like that as well, that sort of keeping, allowing the momentum of curiosity to kind of move you forward is like what moves you along hopscotch and gets you back to safety at the end of the game that if you just sort of stop, then you're stuck wobbly. So I guess I, I don't know. That's that, was good. that was good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm impressed. Uh, and then audience, yours is pop music. How is curiosity like pop music? Let me know. Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. Well, thank you so much for this. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. This was fun. You've been listening to Radio Arlington 96.7 FM. Find us online at WARA.FM. You can find all my previous episodes on my website at choosetobecurious.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Find me on Facebook and Instagram at choosetobecurious. I hope you'll follow me there and on Twitter at choose number two, letter B, curious. Don't forget to send us your pop music analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Jennifer Sauter-Price. I think I want her job. Links to read on my website. You can sign up for a newsletter with great tips. Thanks, too, to Columbia Pike Partnership for putting the story walk on my radar. Our theme music is by Sean Ballack, and this is Silk and Silver by Azalea via Blue Dot Sessions. I hope you'll join me again next time. Until then, choose to be curious. People are often surprised that there are families in Arlington who do not have books. And we just finished our evaluation. And for over half of our families, we are their only source of books. Their only source. And so I want people to realize that it's not that families don't want to be reading to their children. They just don't have the means to. And early on, a mom said that to me. She goes, now I can read. Now I have books. And the second question that then often follows that is why don't they just go to the library? And it's just, it's not as easy with uh, transportation issues, language issues, hours. If you've ever been on a bus with a stroller, not much fun. So I mean, you can do it, but it's just difficult. I'm having to show identification. I mean, they're just all, it's just overwhelming. So to continue or to create that routine, they just really need to have books in the home. So that's, that's really what we're all about. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. 
curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter.